Khalid Salah is CEO at Invest, one of the first companies in North America dedicated to Zero that he founded back in 2006. He's also the co-author of one of Amazon's best-selling books, Conversion Optimization, The Art and Science of Converting Visitors into Customers, a book he published already 10 years ago. So he brings a ton of experience to the table and I'm glad to be talking to him about the seemingly simple task of finding the things that are broken on your website. My name is Gide Jansen and welcome to Zero Cafe, the podcast where I show you the behind the scenes of optimization teams and talk with their specialists about data and human-driven optimization and implementing a culture of experimentation and validation. In case you missed it, in the previous English episode, I spoke with Luke Carthy about how to use an SEO crawler to find on-site conversion bottlenecks. You can listen to that 25th episode of this season on the Zero Cafe website or in the podcast app that you're listening with right now. This episode of Zero Cafe is made possible by our partners Convert.com, Online Dialogue, Sidespect, Online Influence Institute and Content Square. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 26. So Khalid, a warm welcome to the show. And of course, we are all very curious how you got started with Zero and even founded a company dedicated to Zero already back in 2006. So my name is Khalid Saleh. Um, I have been doing conversion optimization CRO since 2006. Uh, long, long before even people knew what CRO is. And I, I still remember the early days of CRO because we would talk to VP, VPs of e-commerce, CMOs, and they would ask, so what do you guys help with? And I tell them, well, we help with conversion rate optimization. And they're like, oh, search engine optimization. I'm like, no, something <laughs> different. So it, it was an interesting challenge uh, back then because you're really trying to educate people about uh, about CRO. Um, how I started is a is also an interesting story. So I come from a development background. Uh, I finished my computer science degree from college. I was a software developer, senior software developer, then a software architect. So I, I saw a clear path. You know, I'm like, okay, you know, software architect. Then my next level was going to be either a director of development or a CTO. That was my my plan altogether. In 2005, I get a dream project. Uh, Motorola finally decided they need to have an e-commerce uh, site and they were willing to invest millions of dollars in it. And I still remember getting the call. You're going to be one of the three architects on the project, about 120 developers working, uh, two other architects with me. Price tag, $35 million, three months to spend that money, develop everything. And it was, it was a dreamland. I mean, whatever features we wanted, they said, just go ahead and implement them. Um, we, we implemented everything you can imagine within the span of three months. And of course, as a software, as a software architect, you get to choose what pieces of the software yeah. you work on. So like, you know, the interesting parts, you're like, oh, I'm going to work on this and I'm going to give the rest to the team. Pick all the new technologies. <laughs> there you go. That's literally what, what we did. And it's just funny because now if I mention some of those technologies, people say, really, that was new? I'm like, yes, it was 2005. It was new yeah. back then. Um, long story short, we we finally come to the launch day. We're excited. And I remember, I, I'm reading about marketing. I was interested in SEO at that, po uh, at that point. And I'm convinced in my mind that they're going to have a problem when it comes to visitors to the sites. They're not going to have enough people come to the site. We turned the new sites on and we had 16 servers, micro sun servers, um, and it's a cluster environment. And within two hours, three hours, 
the whole cluster goes down. All the servers are down, all of our 16 beefy servers. So they did not have the problem that I imagined that they would have because there was ton of traffic, tons of visitors because they had advertising campaigns on billboards and online everywhere you can imagine. Great, I'm happy. I'm like, okay, we can bring the servers back up. We'll figure out the issue. But then another problem happened because a month later, for our $35 million investment, for the $35 million investment that Motorola had put in the project, they had about 10 orders. <laughs> uh, not great ROI. You know, I mean, you probably could have had people money, yeah. you know, it's like, here, here's $200 and buy from us will be better ROI. Long story short, some people lost their jobs. Uh, and in my head, a spark for a new idea. I'm like, oh, we can we can do something there. Um, and that's how the idea of invest started. Actually, uh, it's kind of like at the same time, my wife had had her, uh, we had our first baby and she was sitting at home and she's like, well, I don't want to go out and work. What should I do? I'm like, well, you know, we ran into this problem. Maybe you can figure out a way to help companies solve this issue. Um, never imagined is going to become an agency. I'm going to choose a completely different career path. Uh, but here I am, you know, 15 years yeah. later, uh, doing CRO, loving every every minute of it. Yeah. And I um, jump forward uh, till, uh, to this week. I saw you post a short video on LinkedIn. Uh, <laughs> and, and and many people uh, listening to this post- podcast might, uh, might recognize uh, this. Uh, but the, the main... Uh, message of the of the video you posted is uh, asking a CRO if they guarantee results is a dumb question, dumb request. <laughs> <laughs> so please explain. <laughs> sure. So I always say, like even on my LinkedIn profile, I have uh, very strong opinions, but they are weakly held. So I can change my opinion if somebody <laughs> convinces me otherwise. And and I think, by the way, that's what CRO does to you. I am constantly humbled. By, by visitors and by experiments that we run. Um, I used to give talks and I still do uh, around around the world. And I would say, this is absolutely the truth. I know this. And then we run an experiment a month later and I'm like, really? Really? <laughs> this is this is what one shouldn't have. Um, so we, we get this quite a bit. Um, many companies contact us. And you know, as they go through the process, they're interested in conversion optimization because they typically have seen a case study uh, about an A-B test that generated 20, 50, 100, sometimes 500% uplift in conversions. So they get really excited. They look up the top companies and then they usually like, you know, they'll, they'll reach out and they say, hey, uh, we would like to invest with you guys. And the next question, you know, if they have not done marketing long enough, that you'll hear this question. We're going to ex- uh, invest X amount of dollars. Can you guarantee the results? Yeah. And I always tell them, well, conversion optimization Ultimately, the, the core at the heart of it is, is the process of testing, experimenting. And when you're experimenting, ultimately what you're doing is you're saying that I have a hypothesis, I've done my analysis, I've done my research, I have a really good theory of why visitors are acting a certain way and how I can, how I can adjust that behavior. But I don't know. I want to experiment. I want to validate that hypothesis. Um, and that's the reason we call it experimentation. We don't call it guaranteed results. Now, I offended somebody recently because they said, well, you don't guarantee any results. And I told them, I'm like, let me be very frank with you. A couple of things. If anybody, whether you sign up with us or not, if anybody guarantees results, you probably should walk away from them. Mm-hmm. Number two, if I can guarantee results, I would have a humongous list of companies standing in line you know, wanting to sign up with us. That doesn't happen either. I'd love for it to happen. 
but it's not happening and it doesn't happen with anybody. Now, what I can guarantee is we will do the analysis. We will do lots of discovery. You will see the work. You will see the, the hypothesis getting created. But it is up to your visitors to judge whether we know what we're doing or not. Um, so, and then the other thing that I always add, the first two to three months in any CRO engagement, you have some quick wins, correct? That's like, you're like, okay, I think based on my experience, I can figure out how I can increase conversion rates. But really, you're just doing research. You're just understanding the website visitors. You're making assumptions about them. And after about three months, you start saying, okay, you know what? Now I understand how visitors click. I understand really for this particular website what I need to do. But before then, you're just guessing and you're just throwing your opinion out. Uh, some people feel very uncomfortable with, with what I say, but I'm like, this is, this is just the reality. You do it long enough. This is, this is how you should deal with this. Yeah, exactly. And, and we are more like the R&D department of the e-commerce uh, team, right? It's, it's not guaranteed results. We, we do research. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's almost like, you know, like when, when somebody, tell, I always tell them, like, you know, uh, I, I face two people. There are a group of people that say, we don't believe in A-B testing uh, experimentation. We don't believe in that. Yeah. And I always tell them, like, well, do you take, when you get sick, take any medicine? They're like, oh, of course. I'm like, I tell them, like, do you recognize that every medicine that you take before it gets put out in the market, it goes through the process of A-B testing, experimentation. Now, at the same time, asking for guaranteed results in CRO is almost like going to a company and telling them that, uh, to scientists and tell them, you have to guarantee that this drug is going to work. No, they don't know. You know, they've done the best research, but then sometimes they put a drug out and they discover that, oh, it's making things worse. People are dying. It's so. the same asking, uh, people asking for a guaranteed uh, uh, COVID-19 uh, vaccine within uh, X months. You don't know. Maybe there, it will be uh, there, there maybe go. it will never be there. We don't know. Um, or, or, or you can use the, uh, the malaria drug, correct? <laughs> Whether it works or not, who knows? Who knows, <laughs> who knows? exactly. Uh, exactly, yeah. Um, yeah, and also I think zero, of course, I think it's, it's, it's an often discussed topic uh, within people uh, practicing zero, that zero is not the best term for what we do, right? And that's, I think, part of the issue, I guess, uh, when when uh, people outside of our field see what we do and see, okay, conversion rate optimization, okay, tell me, how much can you optimize my conversion rate? Exactly. I mean, it's 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 not necessarily uh, uh, dumb, but... <laughs> yeah, I, I, not, ju yeah. I just had to use that term just to get people exactly. to talk. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a tough one because, and I've seen some posts online about people saying, well, we should call something else. And I see, for example, that Optimizely calls it experimentation. Uh I have mixed feelings about that because I remember doing CRO before. I remember when the term first came out, the Eisenbergs, Brian Eisenberg yeah. came up with the term and then they start using it future now, which is which doesn't exist uh, at this point. But it's almost like you're fighting a losing battle. And I'm like, oh, it is what it is. But really the problem is in understanding what people, like, you know, the, the, the understand that people have about CRO and what it entails. Yeah. And it's understanding what CRO practitioner, practitioners themselves understand about the field and how they optimize and how they can increase conversions. Um, conversion rate itself is difficult to optimize sometimes, correct? So Yeah, yeah and also with the, 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 the challenge with uh, the term experimentation, I find, is that businesses are not interested in experimenting. They're they're interested in the results, which might be increasing the conversion rate, conversion rate. <laughs> which is why that terminology works. But they're not necessarily interested in experimentation. If you say, oh, I want to experiment on your website, then say, oh, I'm, okay, sure, but I'm not going to pay for that. <laughs> you know, I, you, I think you hit the nail on its head because 
lots of times, and, and this is, by the way, one of the challenges with doing CRO, we focus the success rate for conversion optimization testing programs it hovers around anywhere 10 to 12 to 15%. People are usually proud when they get to 15%. And I always tell them, like, you know, in the industry, we focus a lot about what we learn. We're learning from failed experiments. We're learning. And I, I completely appreciate that. And that's what we do. But I want to think of it from the other side of the table, from the side of the CMO or the business owner or the founders of the startup. They're really not interested in what we're learning. We eventually earn the right to talk about those failures, correct? But initially they're like, oh, I'm not paying for science over here. I'm paying for results. I want to see exactly what impact you have on my bottom line. Well, we learned this and this and this about your customer. Well, how do I translate that into dollars in the bank? Because that's ultimately what my investors want to know. And that's what I want to know. Yeah. That's kind of like, you know, the, the field where we struggle as CROs. Marketing budgets have suffered and the share for A-B testing has been impacted too. If you want to keep testing to enterprise standards, but save 80% on your annual contract, you can consider convert.com. With their summer release, you can take advantage of full-stack and hybrid features, strong privacy compliance, no blink, and enterprise-grade security. Feel good about your smart business decision. Invest what you save back in your zero program. Check out www.convert.com slash 2020. Talking about uh, experimentation and uh, maybe even R&D, um, Zero is often uh, applied as optimizing what we already have. Um, how do you think Zero's can help in, in in discovering new features? I think this is such a an important question. Lots of times when we do CRO, uh, there, there's different levels that you work on. So at the very basic, very basic level, you know, you have bugs on the website, you have performance issues, you have mobility issues. Is it mobile first or not? You got to get that out of the way. And that's simple. And in all honesty, some of that stuff is not does not even require a CRO, correct? A good QA company, quality assurance company should be able to point out to you the bugs that you have on your website. They, <laughs> they don't, exactly, which, you know, keeps us in, in business. Uh, and, and you can use analytics and you can use heat maps and session replays and yeah. to find some of those issues. So that's that's fine. And that's the very first level. The next level is what I call usability issues. And I always also like to make the distinction between usability and conversion. I think both impact the website conversion rate and both impact revenue, but usability, I think of it as more top of mind issues. I'm clicking on a button as a user and I expect certain things to happen, but they're not happening. Uh, you know, I'm trying to do certain things on your website and, you know, the system's not responding to me. Let's fix usability issues. Now, the level above that is conversion. And when I go to conversion, I'm working on two things. One is issues that you have on the website. So persuasiveness. Uh, how does your website convince me to buy? Uh, so that's number one. Number two is new features that you must. And lots of times we ignore those, but those are so powerful because you go out from um, tweaking the website and I'm enhancing certain things into, guess what? I've just opened like, you know, a whole new revenue stream for you. A lot more strategic. Um, I'll give you a couple of examples. First on the usability versus CRO, because uh, people always like, 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 really? And, and I know this has been a, a debate that's been going on for a while. I always tell you, like, whenever you fix usability issues on a, on a website, you end up with a website where the visitors thinking to themselves can buy from this website. You fix conversion issues. There's two levels when it comes to fixing conversion issues. The first level is you go from I can buy from this website into I want to buy from this website. 
very powerful. You fix persuasiveness issues, a second level of conversion. You go into, I must buy from this website. Oh, conversion. You go from the 1% to 2% to 8 or 10%. So that's, that's one example. The other example about strategic initiatives. So I have a friend who does lots of user research. And it's funny because he would never call what he does conversion optimization, but really that's what he does, like, you know, at, at, the, at some level. And he was working with a, a, re, a manufacturer for furniture. You figure it's like, okay. And he's doing customer research for them. So they sell uh, bedroom sets. And he's interviewing all those users. And he discovered that typically in the past, when people bought bedroom sets, they, you know, they put it in their bedroom and they sleep. And that's the end of that. But now there's a transformation, especially with COVID. The bedroom set, especially on Saturday and Sunday, comes hangout place for the uh, for the whole family. We're not long, we're no longer just using the bedroom set to sleep and it looks nice. No, we actually want the bedroom set for the kids to hang out. So the bedroom functionality needs to change. Yeah. And I was talking to him. I'm like, oh, he's like, this is so powerful because now he's working with that manufacturer to say, so how do we rethink? manufacturing the bedroom set. No longer is just a bed, you know, and a headrest and all that. And I'm like, okay, this is powerful user research. Yeah, how, how do we turn it into a workplace or a play area? Exactly. Or, yeah. It's so powerful, correct? And now instead of like, oh, I'm just tweaking the website and making it more user-friendly, I opened a new line of business and we're talking about $80 million of additional revenue predicted in 2021. That's powerful. That's conversion optimization at its best. So you help uh, companies find uh, basically the broken areas on the websites, uh, whether it's usability or persuasion. Uh, I think that mainly, it, it sounds mainly like the, the BJ Fogg model, right? So you need to increase uh, both uh, your usability and your persuasion, and you need prompts to, to have, have people act uh, on the website. Exactly. It doesn't make sense to have a really persuasive website if it's unusable, and the other way around, it can be very user-friendly, but if no one wants to buy there, it's no use. But how, how do you go about helping people find those broken areas on their website? How do you find out what is broken? There are many models that we use. And I think like you know, now it, um, it became a standard, uh, standard model for lots of CROs. So one of the things that we'll do, whenever a, a new client comes on board, there is a whole bunch of interviews that we conduct when it comes to user research. And we use the jobs to be done framework. Uh, that helps us really drill very deep to understand what people want to buy. Uh, what are they using the products for? What did they decide to stop using instead when they bought this new product? And that builds the foundation for any conversion optimization work that we do. Now, next after that, we'll do... Uh, a series of activities. We'll do an expert review. And typically when we're doing an expert review, we're getting two, three of our team members sitting in a room, looking at the website from the perspective of the visitor and looking at usability issues and conversion issues, looking at mobile and desktop. We're looking at, okay, so where are people coming from? Which landing page? What's the keyword that they're using? So making sure there's continuity. So we typically run the site through 150 different points and we're just jotting down all those different issues that we see on the website. Um, after that, we'll look at analytics. So now we look at data and try and figure out using the data, what's the story that we're seeing on the website? And data is extremely powerful, yet it can be tricky, correct? Because if you look at data long enough, it can tell you whatever story you want to hear. Yeah. <laughs> so you have to be very careful. Um, we're looking at heat maps, video, video recording session replays uh, of users uh, users on the, on the site. Uh, we conduct 
user research, but on a smaller scale compared to the initial user research that we do. And that's when you see those pop-ups that appear on the websites, trying to understand uh, three different types of elements, I would say, motivators, what's bringing people to the website. And we're trying to understand barriers, what's stopping people from converting and hooks for those who converted, what actually persuaded you to convert. Uh, we'll do some usability testing as well. So we bring people from outside and for usability testing, I love to do give the sites on a mobile device to my son or daughter and tell them, hey, go ahead and add an item to the cart and just watch them or give the site to my mom. I always tell people, if you can sell to my mom, you can sell to anybody because she's not aware of like, all the latest and greatest. So it has to be very, very simple. The interface yep. has to be very simple. Uh, we would look at also some of the competitors to just understand the competitive landscape. If there's interesting features that might be worth us considering, that typically generates those different activities and looking at the site through those different prisms and different angles generates a humongous list of issues um, or that, that we need to optimize. With one website, we generate closer to 150 items. And I always tell people, I'm like, you know, those 250 items are just my our initial run through the website. Um, each one of them could turn into quick fix, like, oh, is there something broke over here? Yeah. Let's just go ahead and fix it. We don't need to test. Or no, there are certain things where we know that, you know what, we actually need to spend some more time analyzing visitor behavior or we come up with a new design. So that's kind of generally the process that we run through. For over 10 years now, Online Dialogue advises about evidence-based conversion optimization with a focus on data and psychology. We see that analyzing data and recognizing customer behavior results in a better online dialogue with your clients and a higher ROI. The team of strategists, analysts, psychologists and UX specialists gathers valuable insights in the online behavior of your visitors and together with you they optimize the different elements of your CRO program through redesign, expert reviews, A-B tests and behavioral analysis. For more information about their services, go to onlinedialogue.com. And how do you feel about, I mean, this is just an expert review, right? I, I also have this list and on the one hand, this is the easiest way you can sell zero to a client because uh, yeah. you can do a standalone. On the other hand, I don't actually want to do an expert review. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think, if, if I would advise your, you as a client, I wouldn't advise an expert review. I would say, okay, yeah. let's let's uh, go do do user research with actual clients. Yeah, uh, it's, a, it's in all honesty, it's a tough one. So uh, we have a, a large client. They're an SEO company, very well established, perhaps one of the first SEO companies in the US been doing SEO now for 25 years. And they came to us and they said, I know the, the owner, he said, I'd like to do a CRO audit. I told him, okay, well, let me understand. We actually have done a CRO audit for them, I think two years ago. And they took our recommendation and they implemented it. And he's like, you know, he's like, we didn't see a huge increase in conversions. So I'm like, okay, so he's like, let's do another expert review. And I told him, I'm like, let me be very honest with you. An expert review is just my opinion. Yeah. And great that you appreciate my opinion and you think I'm an expert, but your users might have a completely different opinion. Yeah. So let's do the deep user research. Now, I'm thinking to myself, and this is kind of always putting ourselves in the in the shoes of our clients. I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to benefit my client, correct? And it's like, it's much better for you. He's thinking, oh man, this is going to be expensive and lengthier than a CRO audit. <laughs> yeah. That's the reality of it. Now, we actually managed to convince them to go through the process of user research. And we're going through this process uh, with them. We're like, okay, let's do the user research. Let's do the jobs to be done interviews. Uh, let's go through this process to uncover issues on the website. And it's sort of interesting. So they do this company because they're an SEO company. They do SEO audits. And he was telling me, he's like, you know, CRO audits are different. 
So you don't do an expert review. You want to do user research. I'm like, yes. And then he's like, with an SEO audit, they tell the client specifically fix one, two, three, four, five, six, a list of things that you need to fix on the site. With a CRO audit, we don't tell them fix one, two, three, four, because we tell them you need to test one, two, three, four. And by the way, this first idea, you need to fix, you need to test three, four other things. Like, he's like, this doesn't work. And I'm like, yeah, that's the challenge with CRO audits. They're easy to sell, you know, they're smaller engagements, but how much the client benefits from them? It's, it's a tough question to answer. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's a tough one. Yeah, what I try to do is uh, the list of items to, to have those come from previous research, like uh, Nielsen Norman Group or uh, CXL or whatever research I can find uh, to at least base it on something besides my own opinion, <laughs> but still. And and it's not necessarily not necessarily cheaper, right? I mean, uh, doing user research is not that doesn't have to be that expensive, especially when you're starting out. Well, it, it depends. So, so we conduct two different types of user research: the jobs to be done interviews. Typically, what we tell our clients will conduct twenty hours of job interviews, jobs to be done interviews. Each one of them is about an hour, so twenty interviews, twenty hours. There's twenty hours that need to happen before, and twenty hours need to happen after analyzing and then pulling all that data. When it comes just to do jobs to be done interviews, you're talking about 100 to 120 hours. And this is just the user research versus an expert review. So with us, one of the benefits of doing CRO for so long is we've conducted close to 15,000 A-B tests at this point. That's a, that's a great uh, base of, uh, of of data that you have that you can use for that, right? Exactly. But you know what? For each recommendation that I give you, I can literally pull up and I can yeah. tell you, I'm like, you know, this recommendation... <laughs> With 20 clients, it worked really well and generated an average uplift of 7%. But with three clients, it actually reduced conversion rates. And with yeah. and I look at this data and I'm like, I mean, I make a recommendation, an educated recommendation, but it's challenging. It really is not easy. Yeah, exactly. So you just spoke about um, also with, with higher management, it can be hard to convince them of, uh, of, of experimenting in itself. Um, so how do you go about um, basically... Uh, uh, training your your client and and helping implement uh, a culture of experimentation at the company that you've worked for. I'm, uh, assuming that you, you also think that that's something you need even to do your job and to keep the, to keep the client. So the, the the process that we follow whenever we run projects, we, we refer to it as ship, scrutinize, hypothesize, implement, and propagate. Uh, and and like there's different steps. Scrutinize is when you find all the different problems we just talked about. Hypothesize, you create hypothesis and the design. Implement is you run. The A-B testing. The last portion, propagate, is the education. We have learned the hard way that without client education, you can have the most successful project. You're generating uplifts. But if you're not educating the client, if you're not sharing the wins, if you're not sharing the learnings from the experimentation program, you're not able to keep the clients for a very long time. So I remember a large enterprise client, they sign up with us. The CTO is very excited. He He's the one who sponsored the project. And I'm like, oh, CTO, big company, let's come on. And they're one of the top 10 companies online, actually. So I'm like, oh, they don't even have an experimentation program. Look at this. We're going to do something really amazing. Six months later, we finally managed to launch our first A test. I always refer to it. I, I'm willing to venture and say it's the most expensive A B test ever <laughs> launched. To make things worse... We don't generate a single, any any uplifts yeah. from that A-B test. So I was sitting with the CTO and he's like, six months, single A-B tests. I'm like, yeah. And he looks at me, he's like, and there's no uplift. I'm like, yes, there's <laughs> no uplift. And he's like, we paid like, you know, this much for a single A-B test. Now, 
the, the nice thing is the director, his director was sitting there and he explained to him that we had 23 iterations of people giving feedback on the A-B test <laughs> and modifications. Um, but where it's powerful is that the same company uh, that we're talking about, now their development team, and so they used to have a large development team and they used to call it agile, but there, it wasn't really agile. Now it's split to 17 different teams. Uh, now every single feature that gets rolled onto the site is goes through an A-B test process, an experimentation process. Now it took about four or five years to get to that point where it just really ingrained in the culture and took a lot of hard work, but now they turned into from, oh gosh, we've wasted so much money into, oh gosh, we have to do it this way. This is how we succeed. Uh, that's the reason I think client education initially when it comes to here's the process that we're going to follow and then sharing the wins, sharing like, you know, and then saying, hey, we've had this win over here. Can we actually take it to your BC team and see what they can do with it? Uh, the, the the best example that I always give is we, we were running testing for Dish Network, which is a large satellite provider for, for TV services. We would take the wins from what we've done online and they would use them in the uh, advertising that they did in newspapers. Headlines, you know, inserts. And I think out of like 17 or 18 different tests, only one of them did not generate an uplift. Now it's not the same uplift, but 17 were like, oh, here, now we can even multiply your your winnings. And guess what? That turned them into into believers as well. Nice. Yeah, I think for me, a really important milestone is always, uh, usually when you get in, uh, developers see A-B testing or experimentation as extra work um, because it needs to do it on top of whatever their features they are developing uh, uh, right now. And it's a really important milestone when you get to a point where the development team starts understanding, no, no, we should be validating things before we build them. And then it saves us time. I think (laughs) for me, that always feels like a a big win if I reach that point. Uh, If the developers start thinking, and I listen, by the way, to the language that developers use, because developers and me coming from a development background, we like to have the best code and it looks really elegant and it's fun. It doesn't matter whether users are going to use it or not, that we don't think of it as, as developers. You know, it's like, hey, that's amazing code. Use it, goddammit. Um, but if a developer starts thinking, hey, I got this really quickly, we can test the functionality. And if users like it and start using it, let's enhance it. If the developer says that, he or she got what experimentation is all about and is extremely, extremely powerful. But that's also another reason why with most of our clients, we handle the implementation ourselves. Um, if you, if we had done this interview back in 2011, I would have told you that most of my failed experiments, because we give ideas to our clients and we're waiting for a development team to implement, and we're just sitting around and we used to have flags when we give the client our seventh or eighth experiment and they haven't implemented, we know that they're going to cancel the contract because they haven't implemented. What's the use of experimentation? That's the reason we switched to a mode where we have to implement the code, the experiments ourselves. Yeah. And um, well, speaking of 2011, well, actually 2010, I think, your book, you wrote a book on zero. Yes. Uh, so now 10 years old. Um, yes. If you if you would be writing an update for, for 2020, what would you change? So it's, it's sort of interesting because... The book, and it talks about the, uh, the, you know, the conversion framework, which was what we use for our expert reviews, kind of the different analysis. There's so many different things that we want to change uh, in it. Of course, all the case studies need to be updated, but let's talk about the fundamental things. We've introduced the process of jobs to be done in the last couple of years, and our clients have seen tremendous success as a result of that. 
there is nothing about jobs to be done in the book because we just learned about the process two years ago. So that's a new chapter in, in the book. The book is when we first wrote it, it was talking about our process, but it didn't talk about the full, it talks about just the scrutinized phase and talks about the expert review portion. So when we run a project, there's 16 different steps. The book talks about only one step in the process of conversion optimization, how you get an expert review, what are the elements that you need to evaluate. I would say about 25% of the book needs updating, but the I would write a new book about the whole process on how you actually run an end-to-end conversion optimization program. That will be, I think, a lot more useful uh, nowadays. Fightspec offers a worldwide unique A-B testing, personalization, and product recommendation solution. Sidespec works server-side without any tags or scripts, which guarantees an optimal performance. The Sidespec solution eliminates delays and the chance of any flickering effects, and this approach also ensures that the current and future browser security rules like ITP and ETP don't make an impact on your A-B testing and personalizations. For more info, visit sidespec.com. That's going to be a huge update then. <laughs> a lot, yeah, a lot or, or, a sec- <laughs> uh, or a second book because it's funny because uh, so I was talking to our publisher recently, our editor, and he says like oh, we, need, we need to like an, an update to the book. And when we published the book, there was there was only two other books about conversion optimization written at that point in time. So he pulls the list and he's like he like says to me and says he's like he's like you recognize there's 70 other books written about conversion optimization <laughs> since then. So yes, I recognize the field has changed so much. Um, and I told him, no, it, it needs to be a new book. It, I mean, yes, there are some updates to this one, but there should be a new book completely. Yeah, well, you were a trailblazer for the for the Shiro books. That's good. Ah, <laughs> oh, there you go. At least I'll, I'll, we try, we try. Exactly. So you can you could try to do that again with uh, your next book. If, if it, in 10 years later, there are 70 books on the topic, then then you did uh, did a good job, right? <laughs> there, there you go. There there you go. But, but that's actually, and I mentioned this to you uh, when we were kind of exchanging emails, when we decided, you know what, we're going to release our uh, training, like, you know, the CRO Mastery uh, training. When we said, you know what, we've been doing this training. So we do the training all across the globe. You know, last time I did it, I was in uh, I was in Singapore. And long, long flight, I can tell you that much, 24 hours yep. almost. Uh, and we do the training usually around the US and now we're stuck and I'm like, oh, well, maybe we finally record this training. And I'm like, okay, well, how do you take that training and convert it into a book? So, so thought, you know, things to, to ponder, uh, another project yeah. to add to the list of things. Or an online course. Uh, that, that's actually what we have. So the CRO Mastery is an oh, okay. online course. Yes, we, we released it about a month ago, and I think we already have our first so, so why did you go to Singapore for an online course? Well, no, at that point, it was an actual <laughs> an actual conference. They invited ah, okay. me. They're like, hey, you know, and I, oh, I'm, I'm like, I've never flown to, like, you know, East Asia. I'm like, oh, good reason. Like, you know, take a break, uh, fly there, discover yep. new culture, and, and teach conversion optimization. Singapore is a nice city to pick then. Oh, definitely. That's, definitely. That's, uh, that's a good one. So um, if, if you look forward to the next, uh, say, say next year, um, how, how would you like to change the way that you work with, with clients on, on zero? What would you like to improve uh, maybe on their side or, or on your side? There are several things that I think every CRO should think uh, about about this challenge. I, I always think about like, you know, what are the big challenges? And I think if we are able to solve them, then clients will benefit more from our services and we can keep those clients much longer and we can have their visitors happier because we're creating a more, more user-friendly websites. I think one of the struggles that many CROs face is figuring out how do I show my client the exact ROI that I'm generating as a result of my work? <laughs> um, 
because the client would like that. Oh, definitely. Um, <laughs> we we got to figure out a way to do that. Now we have a few things that we've been experimenting with. Um, they're not easy to implement, but eventually the minute we figure this out, we want to roll that, that out. I think that will be very interesting. There's a lot of focus on experimentation, on A-B testing. But in all honesty, if you think about, if you peel the onion and you look at all the different A-B testing software out there, from the Optimizely to VWO, and we have our own A-B testing software that we, we released. We've used it with clients for many years. Now we made it available to the public. If you peel the onion, it's, they're all very simple, correct? One version of the website. Here's another version. I'm going to split visitors. And I'm going to see the uplift. It's not rocket science. Exactly. It's not. Uh, Especially if you if you use Google, something like Google Analytics to do the analysis anyway. So. Exactly. So I always tell people, I'm like, and, and, and A-B testing companies struggle with that, by the way. So I'll give you an example. Optimizely, they're like, oh, so we've built the software. What do we do next? So they go into personalization. They couldn't figure out what to do. It's like, well, we'll just add something else. VWO and and. I've been a long-time user of VWO. I've known the guys when they first started. Um, they said, oh, no, we're going to add the full conversion optimization platform. We're going to do session replays and heat. Again, they're stuck. And I think what needs to happen when it comes to A-B testing software is to figure out how we can use AI or machine learning to actually enhance the customer experience on the website. And... I was telling people, like, nowadays people use AI very loosely. You know, that's like everybody has AI. And I was telling like, this is really not AI if you have if-then statements. Machine learning. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and there's a big distinction, correct, between between the two. If we can figure out a way to use AI to, and then like, you know, genetic algorithms where you figure out different versions of the website and how you can actually enhance those genetic versions of the different websites to pre present users with a better experience, that will be powerful. Now, I know that there's experiments. Ascent, for example, is trying to do that, and they have some interesting, uh, some interesting work in trying to achieve that. They're still not there, but I think that will be interesting to see in two, three years from now, and how that would work. Uh, the whole Google policy around cookies, um, and I'm not even going to get into that, and how that's going to impact us. That will be also huge. So it'll be interesting couple of years, actually, when it comes to conversion optimization. As a final point, uh, you, you've written a book, but do, would, do, do you have any recommendations for our audience in, in terms of books? Are you an avid reader or? Oh, my God. I, uh, yes, I am. I'm, I'm always like, you know, I always have four or five books next to my head that I'm <laughs> constantly reading. Um, here's what I think. It's easy to open a blog post, correct, and read. And, and there's some, by the way, some amazing resources when it comes to conversion optimization that's available. I think what Pep and the guys at CXL have done is just tremendous because they really revolutionized the industry. Um, our blog, I, I always think because our blog is kind of the second most popular blog. I think Pep gets about 300,000 visitors a month. We get about 100,000 visitors. So it's like quite, a, quite a, a task to try and catch up with them. But investing the time in picking the right book and actually investing the time to read books and delve deep, that requires commitment. And not everybody's willing to put that commitment, by the way. Now, if you pick any topic and you choose two, three, four, five books on it and you read about it, guess what? That elevates you. Next thing is you just figure out how to implement that, that knowledge. Uh, some of the books that I really love reading, and, and they're more business, uh, but The Road Less Stupid is one of my favorite books that I've read and I continue reading. It's just about running business and talks about all the mistakes business owners make and 
the, the stupid tax that pay. I was telling people, I'm like, oh my God, if I think about the stupid <laughs> tax I've paid running Invest in the last 15 years, I must have wasted a couple million dollars on silly things. And now I read this book and I was like, oh my God, you're pointing out to me all the mistakes I've, I've made. So uh, th- there's a couple of books on differentiation. I think that's another big thing, whether you're a CRO or you're an e-commerce or a SaaS company. Um, we live in a time where Everybody looks the same, correct? Uh, and that's what we suffer from, the pro- problem of sameness. Um, we were doing a usability test for, for eBay, and we're trying to, ter- to test the search functionality on the, just to see how it works. And we bring a whole bunch of people. They're testing iPhone 11 to see if people, and I'm, I'm watching there, and this guy searches on eBay for iPhone 11, doesn't like the search functionality, goes to Google, puts in sites, eBay.com, you know, iPhone 11. Second result is not eBay. It's actually Amazon. Remember, we're doing the usability test for eBay. The guy clicks on the Amazon result, adds the iPhone 11 to his basket. He's going through the check and I'm standing there watching him. <laughs> and I tell him, where are you going? He's like, well, I'm finishing the task that you asked me to do. I'm like, you're on the wrong side, my friend. Yeah, yeah. Some, that's that's something that I've also seen in, in user research that, that blows my mind when people just go to a different... I, so I did research for a, a price comparison website um uh which by definition redirects people to a different website uh, but people thought they were buying from the price comparison website and already knew from from the uh people uh working at the, the help desk from the price comparison website like 20 percent of phone calls is people uh that have a question about the product that they bought mm. yeah so that well i'm sorry sir madam but I'm pretty sure you didn't buy it from us because we actually don't sell anything. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, it's a huge problem because this problem of sameness, we all look yeah. the same. Um, whether you're a CRO consultant, how do you distinguish yourself from other CRO consultants? You know, uh, whether yeah. you are an e-commerce website, how do you distinguish yourselves? Because everything has been commoditized. Products, yeah. services, you know, have been commoditized. So. Isn't that something that uh, Pep is also uh, writing about lately? I think he's writing a book on it or something? I think or? he is. So, like, you know, I think we both are, like, you know, it's funny because I've been writing on LinkedIn for a while. And then he's also, he's like, oh, I saw him in January. And he's like, oh, I'm writing a book about it. I'm like, oh, really? Because it's such, <laughs> such an important yeah. topic. Um, and I think if you're able as a business to figure out how do you stand out, out, uh, that's how you really going to be able to capture a segment of the market. I'll, I'll, I always mention stories. So we have this company reach out, reaches out to us and says, hey, we want to hire a Ciaro company. I'm talking to them. They're large and the project is really nice. It's like almost like, you know, $20,000, $25,000 a month for a 12-month engagement. So I'm talking to their CMO and he's like, oh, by the way, we're also talking to CXL, to wider funnel, kind of the usual suspects that we always compete with. So I'm thinking to myself, I have involved because I can sell better than anybody else. I get to know the CMO. We're presented to him two weeks later. You know, we're really, we established that relationship and I call him. I'm trying to find out what's going on. And actually conversion rate experts were also on that, on that projects. So I'm talking to the guy's name is Michael. And I'm like, Michael, so you've listened to us. You've listened to CXL. You've listened to Wider Funnel, to CRE. What do you think? How do we stand out? And now I had thought to myself, by the way, that I stand out from, from them. That's what I and he just, he's like, Khaled, can I be very honest with you? I'm like, sure. He's like, Khaled, you guys all sound the same. If I did not know who I'm talking to, <laughs> you sound exactly the same as CXL, as CRE, as Wider Funnel. He's like, there's no difference. He's like, yeah, the differences are so little. Now, that really hits me in the face. I'm like, oh, really? I might think that I'm different, but here, my prospective client is telling me, hmm, you're the same, you know? And so how do I distinguish myself? So since then, this was back in 2015, 
differentiation and how you stand out is a big thing that I always ask myself and ask my team. Is it like, like Blue Ocean Strategy or other books that you, uh, what kind of books do you uh, see on this topic? Oh man, look, you know, I wish that there is a really good book to, to click it, kind of look for. Uh, I think there's a book competing against luck. Uh, very powerful. It talks about jobs to be done, but it talks about also differentiation. That's very, very powerful. Blue Ocean Strategy. I love that book as well. I, I must have read oh, 15, 20 books about the topic. And in each of them, I have them all in my Kindle. Sections highlighted and I look at them. And the problem is not in the theory, correct? But the problem is in the implementation. Because I can tell you, the theory is very simple. Yeah. Create, a, yeah. create a unique experience. Everybody can copy my process. No one can copy the experience. Okay, great. Well, What does that mean? There you go. You know, how do I actually create that experience? That's a lot more yeah. difficult. Any final books you want to zip? Uh, I think I've covered all the books that I can think of, you know, especially I've been up, like <laughs> I told you, I've been up since I... 3 a.m. So <laughs> 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 it's like, you know, reading books, uh, reading books, doing calls. You know, I think I've the, I, my, all at the same time. Uh, yeah. I woke up my wife and she's like, oh, how's your day? I told her, like, you know, I've had seven calls and I'm about to jump on a podcast recording as well. She's like, wow, such <laughs> like productive day, <laughs> like a typical day. Productive day. <laughs> There you go. Very good. Hey, thank you so much for uh, for joining me on the on the podcast and sharing uh, your thoughts about the Shiro industry. Uh, much appreciated. Uh, thank you. Thank, thanks so much for your time. Thank you for having me. I appreciate uh, you having me as well as a guest. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. And that concludes season two, episode 26 of the Shiro Cafe podcast with Khalid Saleh from Invesp. Next week, we'll have a Dutch episode and on July 13th, we'll have our next English episode where I talk about motivating organizations to adopt Shiro together with Ruben de Boer. And for the Dutchies amongst us, volgende week praat ik met Danny Oosterveer over data-bedreven marketing. Talk to you next week and always be optimizing. <laughs>